See 
After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
the window in her home. She's all alone. She's all alone. Waiting for the front door bell to ring. She's an elderly woman, a frail human being. She remembers when you were only two. She would have to change those little things she put on you. Remember all the happy times you had and the joy she found in living before you lost your dad. Go see your mother. You were only given one. Go see your mother. You know that you will never have another. Go see your mother. Go see your mom. Go see your mother. It only takes a little time to see your mother. It only takes a little hug to make your good old mom a smiling mom.
JM in the AM, Lipa with Acharon, Acharon Chaviv here at JM in the AM. Good morning. Welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and of course around the world on the web at JM in the AM. Dot O-R-G. It is a JM and the AM Thursday with Lipa and Acharon. Before that, Gershon Varoba and Yerachmiel Ziegler off of the Yes Legacy with Go See Your Mother. The Chevra with Ad Olam from the Chai CD, introduced to us by uh, Ellie Gerstner and the Chevra earlier this week. Yaakov Shweki brand new with Lo Yisagoy from Live in Nokia, a double CD that features that brand new Single Lo Yisagoy. He has other brand new material on there as well. Can't do Yitzchak Meir Helfgat Sheibana off of Eternal Echoes with Yitzchak Perlman and of course Regesh Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. Getting closer and closer to Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. It's Thursday, June the sixth, day twenty-eight in the month of Sivan, the year five seven seven three. Tafshin Ayin Gimel. Today is uh, let's see. Today's the twenty-eighth. So tomorrow night. Begins Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. Tomorrow night begins Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. It will be a Shabbos and Sunday Rosh Chodesh. A Shabbos and Sunday Rosh Chodesh. A Shabbos and Sunday Rosh Chodesh. And I don't know the last time that Rosh Chodesh Tammuz began on June 7th. It has got to be a while. <laughs> Where's Rabbi Heber to, uh, Give us that type of information I'd like to know. 60 degrees, 88% humidity, winds are east at 3 miles per hour. Looks like it's going to be a wet Rosh Chodesh. Mostly cloudy today with a high of 70, then rain tonight with a low 62. Rain for tomorrow with a high temperature of 67. And talking about rain into Shabbos as well. Uh, Yerushalayim right now at 84, Tel Aviv at 77, Haifa at 82, and a lot at 99 degrees. We're at 60 here in Jersey City as we say good morning. At JM in the AM. 25 minutes before 7 o'clock. Michael Fragan, one hour from now. He is our JM in the AM political commentator. And tonight at 6 p.m. on our network, jmintheam.org, he has an analysis and a whole bunch of guests all about this New Jersey senatorial seat. So I feel a little bad putting him on this morning because he'll be doing it for an hour later today. But maybe he'll give us a couple of minutes and we'll be able to get his highlight of his uh, comments regarding the New Jersey senatorial seat, which has been dealt with in a way that I don't think too many people thought Governor Christie would deal with it. So, Or maybe that was just wishful thinking. Who knows? So that'll be coming up. And Dr. Rich Roberts, who uh, appeared on this radio program a few weeks back, and... Um, Proved to be a very interesting guest, someone who uh, garnered plenty of reaction from this audience. He visits us for part number two of our discussion in the 8 o'clock hour this morning, right here at JM and the AM. In general, a big day on the stream at jmtheam.org. I'll give you details as we go through the day. Uh, coming up at 9 a.m., One Heart, One Soul, Sherwood Goffin's classic CD is our album of the week this week. And that'll kick off our web programming beginning at the 9 a.m. this morning on the stream at jmtheam.org. By the way, I got a, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know, um, let's see, I think it was right after, it was either right before or right after Shavuos. I remember I had just uh, been dealing with the whole hospital thing. Matis did an edition of JM Sunday that was phenomenal. He, he's doing great shows every Sunday. 
Those of you who are not yet into the habit of listening to Matis, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning, get into the habit. You'll now have JM in the AM six days a week, and who can complain about that? Anyway, so Matis is on our stream with JM Sunday live. That's how dedicated he is. He does it live. Anyway, enough about that. One of the... Um, one of the uh, uh, interviews that he's recently done was with Yona Lloyd of SodaStream in Israel. It is a company that I think is very familiar to a lot of our listeners and certainly to a lot of Americans. As, uh, people are making their own seltzer, etc., with SodaStream uh, for many, many years at this point. Anyway, Miriam Wallach sends me a Reuters article this morning. Uh, PepsiCo is in talks to buy Israel's Soda Stream International, whose machines make carbonated drinks from tap water for $2 billion. Soda Stream, which also makes flavors, carbon dioxide refills, and reusable bottles, was listed on NASDAQ in 2010 and has a market valuation of $1.4 billion. Estimates are that Pepsi is willing to go even higher than $2 billion and might agree to pay as much as $95 per share. Uh, Wednesday, SodaStream closed at just under 70 bucks a share. So this is uh, a very interesting piece of news for a uh, uh, really an amazing Israeli company story. Really amazing. And the, the demand is out there, and all you need is one buyer, as they say in this world. So it should be very interesting. So... Um, the next time uh, uh, Matis speaks to the folks from SodaStream, they may have some big news. Who knows? J.M. and the A.M. at 21 minutes before 7 o'clock on this Thursday morning broadcast. Let's continue. I got a, a brand-new selection, a brand-new single from Mendy Wald that came across our desk yesterday. Mendy Wald and Betach. It is brand-new. It's for you at J.M. and the A.M. <laughs>
in the AM. Leva Nefesh from volume number two with Adon Olam here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, you heard some uh, Ben Sion Lehrer with Ad Beli Die. Benny Elbaz and Ad Anna. Mendy Wall, brand new with that single entitled Betach. It's a Shlomi Kaufman production. It was sent to us yesterday. And Mendy Wald, who has had uh, quite a career in Jewish music, releases that single yesterday. And um, hope you enjoyed it here at JM the AM. Mostly cloudy with a high of 70 degrees. Rain with um, a low tonight of 62. And rain tomorrow with a high 67. Looks like a lot of rain may fall in certain areas. Right now we're at uh, 84 degrees in Yerushalayim, 60 here in a uh, JM and the AM, Jersey City, New Jersey. Big day today at jmandtheam.org. Keep it on the stream all day long. Uh, you have um, really some fantastic programming with great shows. Avrami's going to be sitting in for me during the live lunch today and during the Thursday night extravaganza. We have a couple of events to be at during those time slots. Miriam L. Wallach, by the way, whose um, blog has been picked up. You may recall she was writing a weekly article. In fact, that may be the way that she got into this whole thing. Um, I think it is. Anyway, uh, she was writing a weekly article which uh, stopped after a while, and now it has been picked up by OU.org slash life. There's an OU life page, and the OU, the Orthodox Union, has picked up her blog, which this week uh, concentrates on the word canadal. But not really the word canadal. It's her take on the whole spelling bee being one on the word canadal. So you can check that out, ou.org slash life. She will also speak today on her uh, program at 2 p.m. with award-winning author Professor Jeffrey Gurak on her newest obsession, the canadal controversy and what it really means for American jury. <laughs> also, the Times of Israel's Jessica Steinberg on why some Israeli authors just love writing children's books. That's today at 2 o'clock. And then Randy is going to be on between 3 and 4 with something to talk about. It takes just one person to make a difference in this world. Hear from two college students who are using music to create long-lasting relationships on campus all over the East Coast. And it's still not the end of the road for victims of Hurricane Sandy. And Yeshiva University students are there. Randy talks to organizers of a special program they're participating in this week when they could be hanging out anywhere. Uh, it's today at 3 o'clock uh, on the stream, jmnam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. There's other great programs coming up later today also, and we'll tell you about it uh, a little later on this morning. Uh, coming up here, Michael Fragan will join us in the 7 o'clock hour. We'll get a word about the uh, New Jersey gubernatorial decision regarding the senatorial seat. Um, he'll spend Michael Fragan the entire hour tonight at 6 o'clock on our stream discussing the topic. We'll get a couple of words from him later on. And Dr. Rich Roberts in the 8 o'clock hour, his uh, second visit to JM in the AM, much anticipated by many. His first visit was spoken about by many. And uh, he revisits us here at JM in the AM today. Should be very interesting. Don't forget, tomorrow, Malcolm Honline, weekly update starting at 7.40 in the morning as we examine the current events of this week, the things that have been going on, and boy, a lot's been going on, you could say that again. Uh, so Malcolm Homeline tomorrow right here at JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in for that. And uh, a great weekend full of programming, including Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami on Saturday night, including Matis with JM Sunday, 7 until 9, Sunday morning live. 
uh, with JM Sunday on our stream. And, of course, tomorrow, our incredible Jewish music mix uh, for an Erev Shabbos that follows Naomi Nachman and Table for Two, uh, which airs right after JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Round the world on the web, jmtheam.org. 7 o'clock in the morning, news from Israel coming up next. Plenty more as JM and the AM rolls on, as we like to say. Tell you about some of the community calendar events that are going on and much, much more. And we have some Mazel Tov wishes to get to that we haven't gotten to. And I'm trying. Try to do them today. If not, then certainly by the end of the week. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Thursday next at JM and the AM. גליצה על השעה שתיים, כאן שיבל קרמי מנסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. פענוח הרצח בבר נוער, הוארך בעשרה ימים, מעצרם של שלושת החשודים, במעורבות ברצח במועדון הנוער הגאה לפני ארבע שנים. עורכי דינם של החשודים הכחישו את המעורבות של העצורים באירוע. במשטרה טוענים כי בידיהם ראיות הקושרות את החשודים באופן ישיר למעורבות באירוע. על פי החשד, אחד מהם היה היורה ושניים סייעו לו. העצור הרביעי, החשוד במעורבות במניע שנעצר היום, יובא המאוחר יותר לבית המשפט לדיון בהארכת מעצרו. ידיעה שמסרה כתבתנו אלי הוכנברג. נמשכים הקרבות בצידו הסורי של הגולן, סמוך לגבול עם ישראל. בישראל מעריכים, הצבא הסורי החזיר לידיו את השליטה על אזור מעבר הגבול בקונטרה, שנכבש מוקדם יותר היום על ידי המורדים. חילופי אש עזים עדיין מתנהלים באזור. בינתיים נפתח לתנועה כביש מספר 98, שנסגר הבוקר בגלל הקרבות. ובבית החולים זיו בצפת התגלה רימון רסס על גופו של פצוע סורי. כתבנו גיא ורון. הרבה מזל היה לצוות הרפואי בבית החולים זיו בצפת. במהלך טיפול בחדר הטראומה באחד הפצועים הסורים שהגיעו לישראל, מצא אח על גופו של הפצוע רימון רסס. האזור פונה וחבלה נטרל את הרימון, ובכך נמנעה פגיעה בצוות הרפואי והחולים. חוקרת משטרתית בתחנת עכו הושעתה מתפקידה בחשד לשיבוש ראיות. כך נודע לכתבנו קובי מנדל. לפני כשלושה שבועות נודע לחוקרת בתחנת עכו עורכת דין בהכשרתה שבן דודה נעצר על ידי שוטרים ושוטרי מג"ב בחשד שהעסיק פלסטיני ללא היתר. היא ביקשה לטפל בתיק ואמרה לשוטרי מג"ב שאין צורך לציין את פרטי המעסיק הלא הוא בן דודה בדוח שלהם וכי היא קיבלה אישור על כך מקצין החקירות בתחנת עכו. ואולם הקצין הממונה עליהם שוחח על כך עם קצין החקירות ואז התברר שהוא כלל לא נתן אישור לחוקרת. הפרשה נחקרת כיום במח"ש והחוקרת הושעתה מעבודתה. תושב בית שאן חשוד בתקיפה מינית של שני קטינים. כתבתנו אורנית פורן. החשוד, גבר בן 43, ביצע לפני חמש שנים מעשים מגונים ומעשי סדום בשלושה קטינים בני תשע ושתים עשרה. במשך שנים ארוכות שמרו הקטינים על שתיקה, ורק לפני מספר שבועות הגישו הקורבנות תלונה במשטרה. החשוד נעצר, בית המשפט האריך את מעצרו בחמישה ימים. קשישה בת שמונים נשדדה הבוקר בביתה ברמת השרון באיומי סכין. השודד כפת אותה ונטל ממנה תכשיטים וכסף רב. הוא נמלט מהמקום ובשעה זו נערך אחריו מצוד. מסרה הדס שטייף. 
עסקת המכירה של חברת ישכר הובילה לכך שחודש מאי הסתיים עם עודף תקציבי של 900 מיליוני שקלים, אבל הגירעון ממשיך להעמיק. המיסים מעסקת רכישת השליטה על ידי וורן באפט מידי משפחת ורטהיימר הכניסו מיליארד ושבע מאות מיליון שקלים לקופת המדינה בחודש שעבר. על בין ינואר למאי נרשם גידול בגירעון לשישה מיליארד ושמונה מאות מיליון שקלים, ובשנים עשר החודשים שחלפו הגירעון הסתכם בלמעלה מ-40 מיליארד שקלים. משרדי ראש הממשלה והאוצר לא מסכימים בנוגע לחוק שנועד להחליש את הוועדים החזקים במשק. כתבתנו יונה לייבזון. מנכ"ל משרד ראש הממשלה הרי לוקר כינס אמש ישיבה על קידום חוק חובת בוררות לפני השבתה, שנוגעת לוועדים בגופים החיוניים כמו הנמלים וחברת חשמל. הבוקר לפיד הודיע כי נושא הבוררות כלל אינו נמצא על סדר היום מבחינתו. עם זאת, בפגישה שערך לוקר השתתף נציג האוצר, הממונה על השכר קובי אמסלם. התחזית עוד עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך אילנה אהרונוב.
Jam in the AM, an amazing selection. It's entitled Mishabera. Yaakov Shweki dedicated to the Chayalim, the soldiers of the Israel Defense Forces, from his live Enochia double album. Shame in the AM. Before that, on this Thursday morning broadcast, you had some Regesh and Me'ain Alam Haba, Y.U. Maccabees with Kisha Halev Boche and Shlomi Daskal and Baba's Nigun off of the Poseach CD. JMNAM on a Thursday. Don't forget our uh, amazing network online at jmnam.org. Continues all day with phenomenal material. We've got the uh, album of the week with Sherwood Goffin's One Heart, One Soul coming up between 9 and 10. Avrami sits in for me today, so he'll do the live lunch starting at 12 noon Eastern time. Miriam L. Wallach with Dr. Jeffrey Gurak on the topic of Canadal and how the spelling bee teaches us something about uh, Jews in the United States of America. Um, Miriam's discussion regarding the Canadal and all that continues at ou.org slash life. Uh, she's now being featured, her blog, on the uh, OU Life page of the uh, Orthodox Union. She'll also speak to the Times of Israel's Jessica, Jessica Steinberg on why some Israeli authors love writing children's books. Randy is on at uh, 3 o'clock. You'll hear from two college students who are using music to create long-lasting relationships on campus all over the East. And it's still not the end of the road for victims of Hurricane Sandy. And why you students are there, Randy speaks to organizers of a special program that's happening this week when they could be doing a whole bunch of other stuff, but they're out there helping victims of Hurricane Sandy. At 5 o'clock today, Ellie Hagler with a great show on the Jewish reaction by the OU. He'll be joined by Rabbi Avadia Goldberg from Chabad in Oklahoma City, speaking about the destruction from the tornado, Chabad's role in the community, and how they're moving forward. The music, I'm told, by the way, which is Chabad type, so to speak, was done with the help of Mayor Weingarten today. So a big yeshikok to Mayor and, of course, to Ellie Hagler. Uh, 6 p.m., Michael Fragan. He'll join us in a few minutes. We'll tell you what that's all about. And then the, tonight, on the uh, Book of Life, Charlie Harari is going to speak to Erica Brown. Now, Erica Brown uh, has, was one of my favorite guests of the last month. Of, I mean, of the last many months. She was on about a month ago. And uh, she has written this unbelievable book on leadership. You get to hear Charlie Harari and her discuss the topic of leadership tonight at 9 p.m. on our stream at jmnam.org. It sounds like an amazing combination. And I am sure it will be. Checking out our community calendar with so much stuff going on out there. It's really amazing. Tonight, the Orthodox Union Singles Connection invites you to a night of laughs for singles between 25 and 35. Joel Chasnoff and Ellie Leibowitz are going to be participating at the Jewish Center. Uh, it says here, stand-up comic Joel Chasnoff is not your grandfather's Jewish comedian. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, I read his book. Very interesting. Fascinating about his experience in the Israeli army. Anyway, tonight he's at the Jewish Center with a Chinese buffet at 7. The show begins 7.30 at 131 West 86th Street. Brought to you by the OU, by YU Connects, and YU Center for the Jewish Future. Go to OUcommunity.org for information, OUcommunity.org. Uh, we spoke to uh, Dr. Rubin the other day about the uh, FD Now event. I am not able to be there tonight, but boy, do I highly recommend it for those who uh, are able to. It's at the Lawrence Yacht and Country Club tonight in Lawrence, New York. Starts at 6 o'clock. Go to fdnow.org. Familial dysautonomia. We should have the amazing success. We. Uh, the, the medical world should continue to have the amazing success with other Jewish genetic diseases like they've had with FD. Unbelievable. If you missed that conversation, head to the archives. 
Dr. Rubin was with us uh, the, the, yesterday, right? I believe it was yesterday. I want to wish a mazel tov to the new Springville Jewish Center and specifically to the Fishbaum family. The dedication of their brand new Safer Torah this coming Sunday. The weather looks good, by the way, unlike last time, which was a big washout, but it didn't stop anybody from celebrating, I can tell you that much. The, uh, the parade of the Torah that time was incredible, even though it was pouring rain. In better weather, imagine what it's going to be like. So this coming Sunday, New Springville Jewish Center celebrates the Torah dedication again to the Fishbaum family. Uh, Lenny Fishbaum and his family, a very special Mazal Tov from all of us here. At the JM in the AM, the Queens Jewish Community Council, the New York City Council member James Gennaro and the Jewish Center of Kew Gardens Hills has a free concert entitled A Sure Thing with Yehuda Shore, Mutti Shore, and Rabbi Moshe Shore this Sunday at 7 p.m. at um, at the Jewish Center of Kew Garden Hills, 71-25 Main Street in Flushing, starts at 7 o'clock. That will be a good show, I can tell you that much. 718-544-9033, 718-544-9033. The Kojo of the West Side event, the Legislative and Communal Award Breakfast, happens this Sunday at the New York Historical Society in Central Park West in New York City. Information, you can go to westsidekojo.org, westsidekojo.org for more information. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Tractate of Erechen, one who speaks Lashon Hara increases his sins, even up to the three cardinal sins of Avadazara, Gilei Arayos, and Shvichas Tamim, idolatry, immorality, and bloodshed. The Choshen was the sacred breastplate worn by the Kohen Gadol. It contained 12 distinctive jewels, none the same as the other, and each represented one of the 12 tribes whose name was inscribed on that stone. The son of Binyamin was spelled Yud Shin Pei Hei. The Mephoshim explained that this stone represented Binyamin's admirable character. He kept quiet at the time of Mechiras Yosef. When Yosef was sold, he never said Lashon Hara. How does this particular stone demonstrate this? The word Yud Shin Pei Hei is an acronym for Yesh Peh. He has a mouth. Although Binyamin was aware that his brothers had sold Yosef, he never said a word to his father for all the 22 years. The great Goin Rav Steinman asks, If Binyamin is praised for not speaking, why isn't the name of his stone Ein Peh? There is no mouth instead of Yesh Peh. Rav Steinman answers that this comes to tell us the essence of our power of speech is to have a mouth, to have the ability to verbalize, but the strength to refrain from speaking. In his younger years, the Chassam Seifer was a student of Rav Nosson Adler, a very great tzaddik and a huge Tamil Chacham who never forgot anything that he learned. However, there were ignorant people who misunderstood the actions of Rav Adler. They considered him peculiar and they wanted to drive him away from town. Not a man who could tolerate strife, especially if he was the cause of it. Rav Adler left the city even though he was completely innocent. He returned to his hometown, where everyone respected him. His loyal student, the Chassam Seifer, followed him. Years passed, 
and the great Ravadler passed away. The Chassam Soifer became a renowned Rav, and his home was an address for all the needy people. Once, he spent an unusually long time with one of the petitioners that came for help. The man was so amazed at the special treatment that he received. He asked the Chassam Soifer, why did he get more time than others? The Chassam Soifer said, I will give you a donation and a letter so that you can get better collections. I remember when you lived in the city where my great Rebbe used to live. You and others spoke against him and finally caused him to leave the town. I once asked him how he who devoted his life to the service of Hashem could suffer so much and those who disgrace him weren't punished for their deeds. He answered that one day they would all knock at my door for they would become victims of poverty. Rav Nosson Adler was well versed in the Zoyar and he knew the punishment it designates to those who speak Loshon Hara. Many years have passed and my Rebbe's predictions all came true except for one. They all became poor except for you. I was often bothered by that. However, today when you came in I marveled at how my great Rebbe had so accurately predicted what would happen. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. Sham in the AM on this Thursday morning broadcast. Well, tonight, in a full show dedicated to the New Jersey special election, as announced by Governor Christie, uh, Michael Fragan on Spin Class will speak to Teaneck Councilman Yitz Stern, to New Jersey political strategist Alex Habib, and to Ruby Kramer of BuzzFeed. So I feel a little guilty uh, stealing a little bit of Michael Fragan's thunder this morning with Michael himself, but I've been so anxious to discuss with him, since he is our JM and the AM political commentator, uh, this whole move by Governor Christie and get his take on it. So we'll do a couple of minutes, and then, of course, if you want to hear the full-blown uh, opinion and full-blown uh, conversation that Michael will have with his guests, that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time tonight on our stream at jmandtheam.org. Michael Fragan, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Pleasure to be back. Pleasure to be here on a uh, fine morning. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're one of the few people, I think, that uh, understands the beauty of the greatest spectator sports. In this case, I am referring to politics. Uh, so, first of all, I'm very curious. When you first heard of the Lautenberg passing, and our condolences to the Lautenberg family, and and many, of course, including the New York Times, it, w- it was funny. I thought usually for a day you get the obituary, and then all the speculation starts. But in this case, the speculation started the moment pe- word got out that he had passed away. What instinctively? What did you think the governor would do? I, I think Governor Christie taught us uh, two things. If from this scenario, and uh, I think that's instructive about what what, you, what might one one might think that he would do. Number one is be decisive, and Governor Christie is certainly a decisive person. And number two is you always look out for number one in politics. <laughs> uh, and I think that Governor Christie has shown that he is going to look out for his own best interest, uh, and that is that's really what he did. And in the end, really in politics, everybody looks out for their own best interests when it when it right. comes to but, play. But it's funny you say this because the ultimate decision to me looks somewhat indecisive. You know what I mean by that? 
I, I understand because he's saying, okay, we're going to have a special election. It's not going to be at the regular election. Right. It's a little bit confusing. But in the end, you have to you have to consider about the fact that you have the power to make the decision, and you alone have that power. There's nobody else. You don't have to consult with anybody else if you don't want to. There's no there's no approval from the state senate or that kind of thing. Right. Contrast that with David Patterson when he when Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State. Right. He, it almost seemed that he wasn't prepared. He invited all these candidates to kind of go ahead and campaign the infamous uh, Caroline Kennedy situation right. where yeah, she was going all around the state and people hired consultants almost as if there was an election going on. But there wasn't an election going on. It was really only his decision. And right. what could have been a huge political... Uh, plug for him, for David Patterson, really turned into a political fiasco. So I think that's what Chris Christie wanted to avoid here. He made the decision really quickly uh, as to what he was going to do. Obviously, he was well prepared when it came down to it. And there's an article in the New York Times this morning talking about the fact that he was he was well prepared. He had already gained out the situation, got legal opinions. Right. He didn't wait, he didn't wait around for kind of the editorial boards to make their decisions or for other politicians to weigh in. But you, yeah. see, but, but you see, I would argue with that. I think people already had weighed in and all felt that the best cop-out, if you're going to cop-out, was, was the long-term, you know, put somebody in until 2014. In other words, when you have that option in front of you, that you could put somebody of, you know, whatever background and political influence out there in a position for, you know, a longer period of time, completely away from the upcoming election time, why not do it? Well, it wasn't clear exactly. Apparently, and I'm no expert in election law in New York, and I'm certainly not an expert in election law in New Jersey, but from what I understand, the law is has a little bit of uh, contradiction. On one hand, it says that he can wait till the next election. Right. On the other hand, it says he has to, that there should be an election at the next possible election. Mm. So I think the possibility is, if you remember, and a lot of commentators have pointed to this, if you remember back when uh, Bob Torricelli was replaced by Frank Lautenberg, right. and that went to court, and the, and the truth is that, that seemed to have been a very flimsy ground that you could replace a candidate at that very late date, the courts actually sided with Lautenberg. Right. They sided with the Democrats. And I think that's what Christie was afraid of, that there would have been a bigger potential loss for him in going ahead and being reversed by the court, which is which is very likely, and it, as, as far as I'm sure his advisors told him, that you might be reversed by the court and then forced to hold the election on in November as opposed to in October. This right. way he controls right. everything. There's really very little for anybody to challenge. Mike, to. Michael Fragan with us. He'll spend the entire hour, 6 p.m. Eastern Time tonight on our stream discussing this topic with fascinating guests, by the way, folks. Let me ask you this. Um, you talk about um, you know analyzing the whole thing, doing what's best for him, uh, trying to get a reaction from both uh, members of government and the press, you know, before he makes the final decisions, he could sort of take the pulse of everybody out there. Uh, the the main factor that the press seems to be concentrating on is that what he has decided is going to cost New Jersey tens of millions of dollars, and we know that that's not a Christie type of act to just find a way for Jersey to spend money that essentially they don't have. Is that going to come back as a backlash against them? 
I, look, I think it's a brief story in a way. I think out there that there that there will be people who will continue to harp on that. I think that goes away uh, after you know a couple weeks or maybe even a couple days as a story. Really, the $24 million number is not a $24 million number because they have to hold the primary anyway. Right. So, the pri- so half the cost is in the primary. Right. And yes, okay, so there'll be an election in October and then an election in November. And uh, it'll pass, and, you know, that'll happen. And the bottom line is he controls the destiny. He controls what happens, and that's very important, you know, for a guy like Chris Christie. He wants to go ahead and control the narrative. And finally, I'm sorry. And finally, do you have a prediction? Do you think one of the people that we're reading about, the names that are being uh, uh, tossed out there, will be uh, that one of those folks will, in fact, be the next senator from New Jersey? Well, I'll tell you personally where I think that makes a lot of sense, and I really have I have no insight into this because I think Chris Christie is a guy who keeps a lot of his decisions close to the vest in a very small circle, and I don't think he's te- he tests things out a lot. He just decides, okay, this is the way we're going. But I'll, I'll give you, be very Machiavellian about it and say what makes a lot of sense to me is to appoint Tom Kane Sr. Right. Okay, he, appo- he appoints Tom Kane Sr. to the seat. Right. And they go ahead, and you know he's, but he's kind of there as a caretaker because I don't think he wants to run for a full term. Perhaps he does, but Tom Kane Senior is looked at as bipartisan, correct? Which is the way that Christie wants to be looked at. Right. But he's also respected that national Republicans aren't going to turn around and say, "Oh, he's too, he's too moderate, he's terrible for us," right? Because he has he has credibility. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Tom Kane Junior. Closest had in for the special election, right. and you have that name recognition that goes on. Who can tell the difference between senior and junior? <laughs> Perhaps people go ahead and do it. And I'll, I'll, in my mind, that 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 would really be a, a a very keen political move to go ahead and utilize and leverage the name recognition of of, ju- of senior for junior. No. I'm not sure he's going to do that. But uh, that's that's what's been playing around. You know, maybe I woke up too early this morning to kind of come up with that scenario. No, I think I think it's a, a scenario that makes a tremendous amount of sense. Michael Fragan tonight, six p.m. Eastern time on our stream at jmnam.org. A full hour. Who would have guessed that Michael Fragan would spend a full hour talking about the Garden State tonight? Hey, <laughs> so politics is a blood sport in New Jersey, and uh, as you said, it's a great spectator sport. So we're going to enjoy it while we can. He'll speak. With TNET Councilman Yitz Stern, New Jersey political strategist Alex Habib, and Ruby Kramer from BuzzFeed. Michael, thank you so much. We always appreciate your insight. Thank you, Nachum. 16 minutes before 8 o'clock at JM in the AM. Oh uh-huh.
And that is the Batach single. That's right. We did it twice today in order to debut it for those who were listening in both the 6 o'clock hour and the 7 o'clock hour. Mendy Wald with that brand new selection here at JM and the AM. By the way, I uh, got a note from Yossi Zweig on this. It is a free download at MendyWaldMusic.com. The brand new single, Batach, uh, composed by Yitzi Waldner, produced by Shlomi Kaufman, and arranged by Arulius Rachi is a free download if you go to the website, mendywaldmusic.com, mendywaldmusic.com. JMAM Thursday, thanks for joining us, folks. Don't forget we have a full day of programming on our stream at jmam.org. Coming up right after this radio broadcast, our album of the week with Sherwood Goffin's classic, One Heart, One Soul. Later today, Avrami sits in for me during the live lunch from New York, starting at 12 noon Eastern time. Dr. Jeffrey Gorak is Miriam L. Wallach's guest between 2 and 3 today. Randy Wartelski speaks with some Yeshiva University students who are doing amazing work. And he's still in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy. You'll hear what that's all about between 3 and 4 today. Michael Fragan, who just joined us, does the entire analysis of the uh, New Jersey uh, gubernatorial and senatorial situation uh, with his special guests from uh, BuzzFeed and the members of government here in New Jersey coming up between 6 and 7 tonight. And Charlie Harari at 9 p.m. this evening gets to speak to Erica Brown. One of my favorite interviews over the last year was my discussion with Erica about her brand-new book regarding leadership based on the book of Bamidbar. You get to hear Charlie Harari and Erica Brown discuss leadership tonight between 9 and 10 Eastern time on the stream at jmtheam.org. Mostly cloudy with a high temperature of 70. We're at 60 degrees right now. Dr. Rich Roberts is going to be joining us in the 8 o'clock hour for part two of what will be at least a two-part discussion. You may recall a few weeks back, Dr. Roberts was here. We speak with him coming up today. And um, if we don't wrap up all of our topics, who knows? He may be back again. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Reminder that this coming Monday, Rabbi Mordechai Greenberg, the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva at Karim Biavne, speaks at the Bialystoker Shul on the Lower East Side. Uh, Rabbi uh, Greenberg, the Rosh Hashiva, is going to be here as we get set for the big Karim Biavne dinner, which, among others, will honor uh, Rabbi Tzvi Ram of the Bialystoker Shul next week. And we wish Rabbi Ram and his entire family a very special Mazel Tov. The Sheer in Manhattan will be Monday night with Mincha starting at 8.15 on the uh, on the topic of Atta Vichartanu, Why Us? At the Bialystoker Shul, 7 Willett Street, 
Lower East Side of Manhattan. We'll remind you as we get closer right here at JM in the AM. Arye Kunstler wraps up the hour. Dr. Rich Roberts coming up next and plenty more. Don't forget tomorrow, Malcolm Holmline with the weekly update. We'll speak with him at 740 tomorrow morning about all the current events of this week in this crazy world of ours. Tomorrow right here at 740 Eastern Time at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with Aryeh Kunstler as we wrap up the second hour this morning here at J.M. in the A.M. Dr. Rich Roberts coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Reminder, the OU presents the Jewish Reaction with Ellie Hagler today starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on our stream at jmtheam.org. He'll be joined by Alvadia Goldberg from Chabad in Oklahoma City. They'll talk about the destruction from the tornado, Chabad's role in the community, and how they're moving forward. And the music, I am told, is... Uh, Done with the help of our very own Mayor Weingarten's Ellie Hagler today at 5 p.m. on the stream at jmnam.org. Thursday morning, it is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org.
JM in the AM. Yoeli Greenfeld wrapping up our music uh, set with uh, Hashmiani here at JM in the AM. Well, uh, you may recall a few weeks back, Dr. Rich Roberts visited us, and uh, when we were first introduced to him, I felt that uh, he would be somebody who would be able, uh, in his unique uh, position, to encourage a lot of people out there in our audience. Uh, both philanthropically and other words, to get involved and to explain to people why it is important to get involved in our community. And sure enough, in that conversation, we didn't just talk about getting involved uh, politically or in the uh, political arena with people of, uh, of great influence. We also spoke about getting involved in the community and his specifically his admiration for the chesed work that's done everywhere, uh, most specifically where he's from now in Lakewood, New Jersey. Uh, at that time, at the end of the conversation, we and many listeners, based on the, their reaction, felt that we should bring him back for a return visit and sort of tie up some loose ends and uh, wrap up some of the topics I wanted to get to, which we didn't get to last time. And therefore, he has trekked all the way from Lakewood, New Jersey, after agreeing to visit us here for a subsequent morning at JM in the AM. Dr. Rich Roberts, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me back, Nachum. Uh, back in the saddle again. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> now, uniquely, when people leave this radio show, especially after one that made an impact out there, and it's obvious from the emails I got and the reaction from our audience that there was an impact last time you were here, uh, most people are uh, uh, get a reaction. They'll, they'll be told that they, that they were heard on the show. They'll discuss, you know, people will discuss with them what they said on the show, etc. You said to me, that at that time, that it's possible you may not get any reaction because sometimes it's better for you not to get too involved with everybody in the discussion around the community. Is that an accurate way of putting it? Or Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Right. That this is, and in fact, did you get a reaction or not? Like, was, were, was there anybody who said to you, heard you on JM and the AM or not? Well, there were, there were you know, a few guys in the shul that came up to me and a few, others, yeah, a few others that know me. But for the most part, I do try to stay away from people. Um, and it's just because, uh, I don't know how to say this, you know, without, in, I don't want to insult anybody, but, um, You're bombarded, let's put it that way. On many <clears throat> levels, you're bombarded by a lot of folks with a lot of requests. Let's put it that way. Yes. Would that be a politically correct way of saying it? <laughs> that, um, I'm not bombarded. They want to bombard me. Right. And if I was just hanging around, you know, I, I received a, uh, a letter once from somebody who was very angry with me that I wouldn't meet with them. And he said something like, um, you know, I'm sitting there uh, enjoying the, the sap that's oozing and dripping from Hashem's tree for me. Uh, is, so I realize this guy thinks that I sit around and just go in my backyard when I want, want another million right. and pick another million dollars off the, uh, off, off the money tree. Uh, and it, it, there's a principle I've learned in life, which is people who don't know don't know that they don't know. Right. They have no clue. There is no clue of the demands that are upon me, and I, I do try to perform. I try to produce and perform, you know, as an Eved Hashem, and in doing so, there are so many things that I'm doing. Listen, you know, God gives people <clears throat> different talents. What I've said is, if you're having a basketball team, you definitely do not want to hire me to be a player on your basketball team <laughs> if I'm a professional level. I am not going to dunk this, this. This neuromuscular system is not going to dunk a ball. I don't it's care not how, made for that. It's huh? not made for that. <laughs> and I don't have enough fast twitch fibers. Uh, you know, obviously in, in my thigh muscles, I'm not going to dunk the ball. The step ladders, you know, excluded. <laughs> um, so, but I have been given other, other talents and I say that with gratitude, uh, humbly with gratitude because I didn't earn that. But the part that I earn 
which is the part that people I think miss is breaking my back and working hard, which I've been doing right. for the most part early morning to late at night. And that doesn't, therefore I just can't allow people to, because they want, because they want to talk to me or they want to solicit me that they think I can sit down for a half an hour because they, in their lives, they have a half an hour to go sit down for the fun of it. I, I've worked, I've worked for 37 years like a maniac. And chances are that even though you're one of the few who would be outspoken on this subject, Chances are most people in philanthropy likely agree with you that the pressure is immense and it's difficult to make time for everything. Well, time for everything, that's, yeah, that's probably right. o- always well, true. For all the requests. And yeah, the- and, and I would say not only me, but the, the, uh, the Rebellion. Um, sort of, sort of agree, agree with me to some degree. The Rebellion, uh, you know, the, uh, the you know, the guttles of of the of the country or of the world. Torah giants, Hasidic Rebbe's, etc., etc. Right, and so, and what what people, what there will be some from people listening, to, potentially listening to this now, and their blood is boiling because they're going to say those great people make time to see people all day long, and you don't. Um, so. Uh, what they what they do is great. In my experience as a CEO, as a president and as CEO, um, if I'm going to work on the packaging line in our manufacturing facility, and by the way, I'm retired now, but uh, I used to run a pharmaceutical company. Right. As we discussed last. Yeah, time. if I'm going to work on the packaging line as as you know and spend significant time there, um, stuffing the cotton in the bottles or twisting the the, the caps on the bottles, mm-hmm. which is done by hand, right? Well, well, uh, in many cases, some yeah. Right, as, as, right. as it became more sophisticated, right. we then had machines, machines right. doing a lot of that. But still, you need people that are watching it, people right. that are loading the bottles into the, onto the mm-hmm. machine, the caps. Um, if I'm going to be doing that, um, you know, an hour every day, then that's an hour that I'm not involved in much higher level things that require uh, a sort of a greater level of intellectual development in order in order to try to guide the company to miss right. to, to to avoid pitfalls and to gain. Uh, or uh, be able to achieve opportunities. But by the way, in, in terms of the religious leadership, I don't. I, you may be a little hard on yourself because I believe that people do get frustrated with certain Torah giants and their staff and Hasidic Rebbe's and their staff when there is a two or three or four hour wait to see them. So you may be right that they, you know, the volume may be greater and they try to get to everybody, but I still think people in the community get upset at the access sometimes. It could, it could be. <laughs> I mean, right. I, and I can, but I can tell you that the... You know the 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 the, law, the 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 big rubs that I've spoken to when they'll speak to me one on one because I'm you know I'm rich I'm Richie Roberts you know I'm not I'm not your, the guy who's gonna, I'm not the guy who's going to go out there and and start speaking in in the you know in the community about this guy said this um, yeah they're devastated they're overwhelmed right that's they're, it overwhelmed yeah they're sleep deprived everywhere they go every right. direction they go they're um, you know they're they're besieged they're people want to take their time people right. want to tell them the stories and. Uh, yeah, they're sort of suffering under it also. Um, and I just, right. if I'm going to, you know, but... So the comparison is there, no question. Yeah, but, but I, I'm sorry, go on. No, I, and I hate to, I, I do this because uh, there's so much I want to talk to you about. A, a little bit of a change of direction because uh, this is among the topics that people asked me to ask you about. Uh, I had a recent experience, as most of this audience knows, uh, uh, as they uh, operated on my left foot recently. And uh, in, in between our encounters, I was in the hospital for a few days. And because you are in, you were for so many years in the industry of uh, pharmaceuticals, medicine, etc., I don't even know if this makes you an expert in this area. You'll tell me. Um, it, people want to know about the cost of medical care 
in this country from your perspective? I'm not, just, I'm not just talking about pharmaceutical items and medications that are necessary for folks, but I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. I, I'm in the hospital, and I, I am at times made to feel like a guinea pig, as if I am taking, exa- uh, taking tests, x-rays, MRIs, etc., that are superfluous, that may have been done days earlier under different circumstances where, you know, and, and, and why on earth do I need to go through this again? And, um, and, and the curiosity is, 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 there a, is there a big component in all of that as, when the consumer's involved that that's money-making? Are, are we uh, subject to what you know, large hospitals and corporations are trying to do, which is, of course, increase the bottom line? Um, you've, you've touched on many, many different right. topics in your the lead-up to the final question. So let me just say there are many, many different factors going on. Number one, if you don't know why you're getting that MRI again, then that's a problem that the physician, your physician is not communicating to you, and you should be asking your physician, why am I getting this MRI again? There should be a legitimate medical reason for doing it. Secondly, uh, there's no question about it that there are many cases where uh, physicians trying to survive at this point are forming medical groups and um, with no uh, with no uh, prearranged prearrangement, no no with no early arrangement. You know they still know that the radiology group is part of their medical group, and the more radi- radiologic tests are done, then the more money that comes into the group. Right. On the other hand, you have the uh, plaintiff lawyers out there who, you know, not only do they go, do they do the bad part of going overboard and, and lodging incredible numbers of frivolous lawsuits, but they also do uh, th- that threat. Then tends to keep the medical community uh, much more. Um, I, don't, I don't mean much more uh, careful right. in what they're doing. Um, there's also the government reimbursement to physicians. Uh, for Medicare, Medicaid, and then insurance companies follow that have gone down so far that, that a lot of physicians are really getting to the point where um, continuing to practice medicine is almost not financially viable for them, and they sort of suffer along with that. On the other hand, nobody is, is uh, right now putting out the hat to collect money for physicians, um, and you're right, there are corporations that are involved in running medical groups and buying medical groups and uh, running hospitals, but but, but, a, say, but, but yeah. that's what capitalism is, right? And and there, you know if some if one if one hospital group is totally totally out of whack and way 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 overcharging, being that they're not being that they don't have anything that's exclusive or unique that you could get in another hospital, then people will tend to find their way to to a, a similar or equivalent uh, less expensive product. Could there then be an industry industry wide epidemic? Excuse the pun of over-suggesting procedures and tests. Could it, because your checks and balances that you're mentioning and the capitalism and the free market system only works if institutions can separate themselves in terms of this area. What if everybody's doing it? I don't want to say, you know, conspiring or, you know, but what if everybody is, uh, you know, has caught on and is doing this to a great degree? Right. So that's why there are the antitrust laws in the United States. The antitrust laws assure that the these companies, such corporations uh, and the heads of those corporations and the people within them are not are not communicating, not fixing prices, and also not even winks and nods. And I got to tell you, it is serious, serious stuff 
the Federal Trade Commission, with the Department of Justice. They're swarming all over the place. They really are. So you'd say the system works in that regard? Well, I, I'll tell you that we, you know, in our in our company, and I can tell you many, many, many other companies, you, we, we would not attend a meeting if something was going on in pricing in the industry. We would not even attend a meeting because we don't want to be seen in the same building because we don't want anybody uh, of our competition because we don't want anybody to even think a suggestion of a, of a wink or a nod because we, we would never do any such thing. We teach our people. We, we, we teach. I mean, used to. Right. I'm out of the company. We teach our people not, how not to do it, how to, if anybody ever approached them to, 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 tell, to say this is not legal and walk away, not that it's ever happened, but you want to prepare people. You have to do everything honestly in business. And um, you know, it might be, it, is, it was 30, 40 years ago, a lot of shenanigans went on. Um, now, with uh, electronic surveillance and the Internet and most people having a cell phone where they can record voice and a camera, uh, I think, you know, and then and this, and the development of the legal system and law enforcement, I, I don't think much of that goes on. You, you see cases in the headlines. But those are sensational cases. I'll tell you what goes on, though. Mm-hmm. Much more than that is there there are unjustified prosecutions going on um, all over the place. Um, and they're motivated by money that the government wants to get because because the government is those individual lawyers. What would be government. a good example of that? <clears throat> oh, there are so many. Uh, I'm going to tell you in the pharmaceutical. Where line. the government takes the pharmaceutical company to, to court? Oh, sure. Um, on behalf of the people of the United States? Well, I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to tell you the truth. This is just the truth. You know, in many cases, the government extorts money from companies because, first of all, you have to understand what the government is. Most people in the country don't understand what the government is. The government is not. There's, there's a, a principle in psychiatry called, called in psychiatry called transference. Sigmund Freud is the one who coined it, and it's that people will. A person will tend to see an authority figure. Well, a person will tend to put onto an onto an authority figure the feelings that that person had towards their parents. Right. So when the, the trust, par- etc. Yes, right. exactly. Trust. They have my best benefit right. in mind. So when people, you know, pe- most people trust their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, law enforcement knows that that you want to find a criminal, right. watch his mother. Right. <laughs> right. The father might disown him, but the his mother will never, right. never let him go. So always watch the mother; she'll support him when he's on the run. Um, so people tr- transfer that feeling that they can trust their parents onto the, the biggest of all authorities in our in our living, which is the which is the government. But that's not what the government is. The government is individuals. The government is the individual who is interacting with you on your case, and you might get someone who is ethical and really wants to do the right thing. Or you might get someone who is motivated for his own or her own advancement because that ha- that's how she gets graded or he gets graded. They get graded on the number of violations they write up. They get graded on – so the Department of Justice's budget each year is determined by Congress based upon how much money they brought in in fines. So to give you an example, um, in, in medical advertisements, adver- advertising a drug, th- there's unbelievably strict – Laws on this now. Well, the pages that are that accompany every drug advertisement shows us that. Right. So not only do those pages include fair, what's called fair balance, right. which is all this 
with this with safety and warning right. stuff. But the size of the print, if the size of the print of the fair balance is not sufficiently large compared to the size of the, of the print of the name of the product, the government will come after you for violation. Um, so it's like the cops on the parkway who want to get a certain number of tickets for a month or whatever it might be. Yes. Yes, that's what it is. It, uh, that 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 is what it is. Yeah. And um, now I don't know if those cops are are pulling someone over who's really not over right. the speed limit, that's claiming they are. That I have right. no idea if that right. if that's happening. It, it's never happened to me. Um, but uh, I have to think about the example. There's a great example of uh, let me think of Medicare fraud, um, which is not really fraud. Um, Where they were coming after somebody or after a company? Yes, it goes something like this. That the the, the 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 big drug company might have thousands of salespeople. Mm-hmm. That salesperson, one of those salespeople, says to a doctor um, that this drug can, can oh that this drug can, will actually work for this other disease that's not approved for mm-hmm. by FDA. Now, approximately half of the use of drugs in the in the United States are are prescribed by doctors for uses for diseases that the, the drugs are not FDA approved for. Wow. But that's perfectly normal, and that's legal, and that's proper. That's called the practice of medicine. So doctors look at the scientific literature, and if a doctor, if, it, if the scientific literature shows that this drug is also, is also useful for another disease, the doctor will likely try it out on their patients if they have good success to continue. Just as, as a tangent, for example, there are the, the anti-seizure drugs, Many of them were found to work tremendously well for manic depressive illness, bipolar disease. So if a psychiatrist would prescribe it, that would be fine, you're saying? Perfectly fine. But if the representative for the drug company, the drug rep, tells the psychiatrist, um, you know, our drug for seizures, you know, quietly, wink, wink, there's also a lot of scientific literature showing that the drug also works for manic depressive illness. If that's part of his pitch... And then the, right, and if the doctor, and even though the drug company told the salesperson, right. you're not allowed to do this, then if the doctor um, prescribes it to a patient for manic depressive illness, and, 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 then the gov- and then that patient gets that prescription filled by Medicare or Medicaid, it's criminal fraud on behalf of the executives of the drug company that their, uh, that their, their representative, that their loose cannon right. representative said a totally medically legitimate thing to the doctor, but it was not part of the FDA approval process, so it's off-label, uh, an off-label usage, and then it's Medicare, Medicaid fraud. Now, the, now the, the government then comes in and wants to look at all this, the, the billion dollars a year of sales of that product, and $400 million, $300 million a year of it is Medicare, Medicaid. Follow the money trail. Follow the money trail. And, and then the, these executives are facing not only fines, but criminal <laughs> prosecution. So the greatest scrutiny is because they make so much money. <laughs> well, no, no, but crim- no, no, that's not a criminal prosecution. So right. the executives of the drug company say, look, I just work for a company. Right. I have nothing to do with this. I don't want to go to prison. Right. So the government wants a billion-dollar fine. They, then they, the, the executives and the company, the board of directors, are basically extorted, and they right. pay they pay the billion-dollar fine. And then the headlines you'll see, <clears throat> head- headlines you'll see, and the press are, you know, drug company pays billion dollars for off-label advertising. Right. Well, I'm, but my point is that that scrutiny exists because of the uh, amount of money the company brings in. If we're dealing with a company that, you know, had annual revenues of half a million dollars, you would never see anybody pursuing them, right? Yes. Essentially. And, yes. And actually, that gets back to some to some degree to the first topic you brought up, uh, brought up about my not 
talking to people who want to solicit me or tell me uh, for about tzedakah or about the yeshiva or about the school or the program or blah, 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 which is um, exactly right. If, you're, if you own Joe's Pizza Shop on the corner, the, 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 the lawyer at the Department of Justice is not going to get a promotion by putting you in prison, <laughs> right? Um, but, but if you are the CEO of a, a drug company doing $600 million a year in sales or a billion or $5 billion in sales, that's exactly who he's targeting, and they will come after you and come after you and come after you. So, so you need – so, you know, you, you, um, it's a very high-stakes um, environment to be in, even – so we try to do everything honestly and legally and and ethically. Forget that that even if the law requ- did not require something, but it was not ethical to do it, we still wouldn't do it. Right. So without, but that does not guarantee that you won't be prosecuted. Right. So without ex, uh, ex expert knowledge, I'm going to assume for a moment. If I'm wrong, tell me. Without expert knowledge in the oil industry, for instance, what was your reaction to what happened to BP? And what BP had to do to reconcile things with the U.S. government in order to make this problem go away in the Gulf? Um, because I'm not an expert in the oil industry and I, I <laughs> didn't follow every single little aspect of that story, I don't know to what degree um, BP's actions or fines were right. justified or not, ju- not justified, um, how much of BP's um, efforts to clean up the Gulf were, were, probably, I mean, look, is it, right, but, 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 but from right. a corporate perspective, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I can't, I'm not, not talking about BP in general, right. I'm, not ta- I'm not talking about BP specifically, right. but in general, mm-hmm. corporations are there to make a profit. Correct. Um, so. And employ a lot of people. And, um, yeah. Which is important and, in yes. this country. Yeah. Well, it's important, important everywhere. Exactly. And it worked, everybody, it's a win-win all around. Correct. Um, and as long as you have free competition, right. then, then the, the best products rise up and, um, so anyway, so, you know, it could be that BP paid all this money to help clean up the Gulf and advertise how much, how, what the good things are they're doing because they're such nice people. But certainly in many cases, there's a corporate image to maintain and it's worth it for a large corporation but I'm asking, to have an excellent corporate image. But I'm asking something uh, uh, different. What I'm asking is if a bankrupt company went ahead and was responsible for that accident in the Gulf, they probably would have been dealt differently than one that's making billions of dollars hand over fist. Um, they would be probably be they would probably still be prosecuted, but in this case, the the lawyers for the government would make their name by putting people in jail right. instead of and and marching them in front of you know congressional committees. And the congressmen get to try to tear the people apart and make headlines instead of um, going Billions into fines because right. there was no money there. Right. Dr. Rich Roberts is here, part two of his journey to JM the AM, and I thank him for being here. If you missed his first appearance, where he did go into great detail about the uh, specific medication that he had uh, dealt with in his company, you could check that out in our archive section at jmtheam.org. So you mentioned Congress, a good opportunity to drift into the political arena where you've been involved. Um, so first of all, you had entertained the notion, because it seems from what you're saying, that you believe in government, good people can make, excuse the, you know, the, the uh, uh, um, hokey statements in the vernacular, can make a difference, right? That's a, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're saying that the key to government effectively being effective in a positive way is if good people are running the government. That's what it sounds like from what you said earlier. With that in mind, you entertain the possibility of running for senator in the state of New Jersey, and I am wondering if this week's events made you either... Uh, confirm or regret 
your decision not to. <laughs> it's like you're reading my emails. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> yes, I. Um, there's a seat up for the U.S. Senate. Right. Well, well, let me go back. Three weeks ago, when uh, Senator Lautenberger was, as far as I knew, healthy and right. going to you know, live out and serve out his term right. until 2014, about three weeks ago, I was exploring with a number of national-level political consultants the possibility of my running for Senate in, in, in New Jersey. The, um, to gain a position where you could do good work. I mean, essentially, right? right? That's what oh, you right, want. right. I have Where to... can I make the most difference? Where can I? Oh, exactly. Right. I, look, I have no business interests. Right. I don't need money in Kanaanahar at this point. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, one what would separate me from the crowd is I was prepared to give twenty million dollars of my own money to my own campaign. Right. You're allowed to give up to five thousand dollars per uh, primary and general election to anybody's campaign, but to your own, right. there's unlimited how much money you could give. Right. So that would would certainly push me to the front of the pack. In, for the Republican side, and nobody I think would have a war chest that would come anywhere near that. Um, but is that, so analyzing with a lot of people. But you know, why am I doing it? I'd be doing it to to help the country. That's the only reason why, why I'd be doing it. I don't need the notoriety. I don't need the attention. Um, and when I look, so and it's not it's not without personal cost. Also, what I've been told is. The press is going to be right. parked outside of my house. Correct. They're going to follow my children to school. Correct. If um, they're going to be, you know, I'm going to have to be giving talks all over all over the place right. on the news. They're going to be, you know, um, burning me in effigy and in certain, you know, uh, yeah. uh, news websites, which doesn't really bother me. Actually, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't just don't care anymore. But why put your family through that? Right, right. right. So, but if I if it was important to do, I would do it. But the truth is, on the Democratic side, the Democrat Party side, the, the guy who's going to run and probably win the seat is his name is Cory Booker right. from Newark. from yeah mayor of Newark, and he's um, he's black and he's actually type he's actually the type of black politician that I've been trying to promote within the Republican Party. Um, he's a he's a very I'm not I don't agree with every I don't agree with all of his issues that he has, but a lot of the core issues that that he believes in I think are very good for the country, and I think he's also the type of of black leader that I think is positive for the country to to rise up. He's not he's he's he's, he's a, an educated, um, sensible, knowledgeable um, candidate. So. Um, probably is this an endorsement on JM well, in the end? Well, I'm not. A, I'm not going to say that at this is point. This, but is this an effort to promote Cory Booker to our listeners? I never met the man. Um, oh, you never met him yet? No, never met him. I just analyzed it a few weeks ago with right. all of these consultants. Uh, and by the way, even if I would fund my campaign and get a lot more f- donations and run a perfect campaign, uh, the chances are I was told that I would lose because his name recognition political accomplishments etc well no be, really because new jersey is a heavily de- right. po- democratic. positive democratic state right. i think it was 17% uh, democrats over, over more than republicans right. and although for governor christie the democrats have crossed over because they're sick of the high taxes and right. and the governor and, can and, affect that and they didn't they didn't like the former governor so that yeah. helped all, that helped a lot <laughs> that helped <laughs> um, and chris christie himself is a very attractive candidate right. in many ways um, so but but in this case, I've been told they're not going to cross over for uh, the U.S. Senate. Right. So, so is this a final decision? Dr. Rich Roberts will likely not 
be on the ballot in 2014. Yes. And this week's events made you confirm that or regret it? So we revisited it. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which you're, is... you're like the New York Times. You're speculating the second the bad passes away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was a scramble on. Right. There is a scramble on. Right now there's going to be the general this general election right. in, in October. Um, so uh, I did revisit it, but only briefly. Um, I really don't want to do it. It's not... It, it, I mean, Corey, again, so I'm, I'm a strong, strong Republican. I'm, sh- I'm sure that if any of my Republican friends or cohorts hear this, they'll be cringing, and some of them will be cringing, and some of them will be thinking that I'm a, I'm a turncoat or whatever. But I happen to be a strong Republican, not because I like the name Republican or Republican Party, but because the values of the Republican Party are very similar to who me as an Orthodox Jew believe in. Um, Cory Booker happens to be a candidate whose values, in many ways, not always, right. there are definitely things I think he's wrong on or disagree with him on, but in, in, in many ways are, uh, I think, very good. So there's not a need for me to run. So now that you're not moving to Washington, now that you're not shuttling between Lakewood and D.C., what is the best way, and hopefully now we can finally get into that topic, which I talked to you, to you about three months ago, Uh-oh. about people being involved in this whole process. What is the best way for you to be involved, to make that difference? How do you see yourself? Okay, so just briefly about shuttling to Washington. So that was one of the things I found out was, you know, after just having work morning, noon, and night, um, six days a week, and I hate to admit it, but it was on my mind a lot of time during the seventh day of the week. Uh, <laughs> um, like a lot of folks out there. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I found was, what, I, what I've learned is that the Senate is only in session Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I could have, I could have uh, shuttled in, right. flown into Washington, True. you know, on Monday night and come back Thursday night. Right. So it would not have been that disruptive. And because I don't need the money, I wouldn't have to be out there giving speeches and campaigning all around the country right. and trying to, try, to, trying to raise money for my next campaign. So it would have been, it would have been a very, um, livable situation where I could have um, been much more selective about the the time I would give during those off periods to right. traveling around. Now, what am I going to do <clears throat> going forward? I don't know yet, but I've been analyzing it now with many national experts and and you know uh, media experts. Uh, I'll reveal that you're one, just you're one of the people <laughs> that I've spoken to. I've spoken to many, many others. Um, I probably should not mention their names, but they're nationally known people. Right. Um, and what I've <clears throat> my, my dream had always been to buy my own radio station and be able to broadcast uh, Torah uh, in to try to you know do Kirov to bring um, a Torah Judaism to unaffiliated Jews, and that's even more important to you than. Then um, uh, influencing folks in the U.S. to take a look, for instance, closer at the Republican Party or at you know at, at candidates that that you believe might help you know change this country in a positive way. Just I mean, I believe me, I I think here is extremely important, and I and I laud you for that for that for being your number one priority. But you also have a desire to spread the word about uh, where this country should be going as well, right? Yes, they're both very important. Um, so anyway, what happened since I had that dream 25, 30 years ago until now is the world changed. Mm. And that's what I've been researching and learning. So what's happened is there's been a, an incredible uh, fragmentation of information. And again, I've been researching this heavily over the last maybe four, five, six weeks. The, so it used to, I'm going to give you an example. It used to be if you wanted uh, coffee, 
uh, 30 years ago when you went to the supermarket, you could either buy Maxwell House or chock full of nuts. Now, if you go to the supermarket, you can, I'm going to make this up, you can get, you know, um, um, earth-friendly, labor-sensitive, Easter Madagascar, dark roast decaf with rum flavor. (laughs) And you never have to taste another flavor. Well, that analogy is, is, I just made that up, but in an analogous way, that holds now for the flow of information. Right. In, in radio, with with broadcast radio and um, and satellite radio, there are hundreds of radio stations in any market. Television used to be the three big networks, right. maybe PBS also. And now now, now there's 150 or, or more cable channels. Right. Many, at, least, at least 150 that the kids can name, right? <laughs> right. At this point, um, then you also have the internet with thousands of uh, internet sites with with news stories, photos, and videos, and audio to every particular sliver of flavor in the political or moral or ethical or interest spectrum. And on top of that, it's all available within seconds. You don't have to wait overnight anymore. Oh, yes, right. you, exactly. You have to wait over, right, that, which is why paper right. newspapers are, are going uh, uh, bust. So now with this incredible fragmentation of Information. There's now been a segmentation, meaning people people can be segmented and only get exactly the type of news that they want. So, for example, the Benghazi story right. or the IRS scandal story, to a lesser degree, but the Benghazi, for example, you know, most liberal websites just don't carry it. And even like an ABC News has, who's because the guy who heads ABC News, it's his brother or his sister is in the Obama administration, appointee to a high position. You know, they they just it, it's like pulling teeth for them to, to ever play anything on their website or in the news broadcast about it. They, and whatever they do, they minimize, they minimize it. So um, the question now becomes, if, if I want to affect, uh, try to elevate the, 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 ethical, the ethics of our country, try to, supp- try to resist the ethical decline, the moral decline that's occurred in our country, and to improve the values of the people in the country, how does one get that microphone, or in marketing they call it, that share of voice, at a national level. Well, one might argue that you should support candidates who are morally and ethical, uh, who are morally positive and, and, and have the ethics you're looking for. Right. So so as of a few weeks ago, I was investigating becoming a, becoming a United States senator. Right. Because that's one way to but, get the national microphone. But if not... Well, and, and I have been supporting candidates. Right. It's exactly what I've been doing is supporting candidates who I think stand for uh, a sort of a higher ethical... Um, a position and, uh, and and better values than than, the, than than others. Are there other methods? Are there things that people, even people without the means, to, because people can support candidates at any level, right? Someone could send a hundred bucks to a candidate they believe in. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be only millionaires that are doing it. And, and one of the reasons that you were invited here was to di- was to discuss this topic of people getting involved in the process and paying attention to things instead of just sitting around and you know and and, and not being involved. I think that uh, it's extremely important for our community to hear that message. So, are there other methods besides just supporting candidates and those that can carry that message? Um, there's no question about it. If you see what's happened with the. T- Party, you know that's been a grassroots organization right. uh, movement that's going up. Uh, the NRA, National Rifle Association, they're so powerful not because of money that they give, but because of the number of people in the country that believe that that the right to own a firearm is a fundamental right that protects them against a government, a potential government tyranny, which we're not at now. Although certainly that cage has been rattled uh, by right. some recent events. Correct. So you know they have. 
grassroots people and the unions also have grassroots, you know, um, supporters all over the country that, that the unions use to uh, support elections. So, so I'm not privy to any information. I'm really not. But it sounds like you've entertained the possibility of starting a grassroots effort. Am I right or wrong? You're right. Yeah. Um, but the mode through which I would reach the people is still what I'm debating right. and thinking about, thinking about. Right. Um, one of the people that, and again, I think this is all public information. If not, it certainly will be after next uh, week. Uh, one of the people that you have taken an affinity to is Senator Rand Paul. And some in our community might be curious about that in terms of his background, his father, etc., etc. What can you tell us about him that might sell him to those who do believe in values and ethics? Um, <clears throat> so, Senator Paul, Rand Paul, is a very genuine person. And we should mention you were with him in Israel as well, which I'm sure was a great experience. Yeah, right. I, I, right. I, I paid for it and and uh, you know accompanied him on the trip to Israel. Right. And you know, like I, f- I first met him in uh at the Republican National Convention in Tampa. Right. Um I don't think I don't think he's ever, he had ever met an Orthodox Jew before and he really didn't know much about Jews at all at that point. Um we had a, a very frank discussion where I disagreed with him on some things, he disagreed with me, but we actually each came out of that meeting respecting each other because we weren't trying to sugarcoat f- for each other. We, you know, if you look at uh, President Obama give a speech, it doesn't matter what group he's in front of. He's telling them what they want to hear. Right. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. He'll be telling one group one day exactly the one here, and the next day he'll be saying exactly the opposite to the opposite group. He knows his audience, <laughs> as any great uh, politician does. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so if you look at Ron Paul, that's Rand's father, right. there, are, there are certain things about Ron Paul that I severely, adamantly, think are wrong and and disagree with and even un- unsavory right. but i but the but one thing you can say about the guy is he has integrity if if this is what he believes in he says it he stands by it he doesn't care what the consequences are he's not going to be he's not out there out there selling and a lot of people like that as a matter of fact as a matter of fact what i think is the number one thing voters are looking for today is authenticity i think that's what christie seems to have. I think that's one of the attractions of Christie. Yes. I People think, see the authenticity. Yes. So, I mean, yes. So, for um, on the Republican side, for president for 2016, I don't care if they haven't declared yet. Everybody knows right. they're running. Right. Um, Chris Christie, no question about it, has that authenticity. This is who I am. As a matter of fact, I know he had the... Um, the uh, gastric uh, right. you know, stapling procedure, which will presumably cause him to lose a lot of weight, which right. is good medically. Right. But if I were to give him advice politically, I would have said, don't do it. Because, let, let's be honest, he's fat. He's, he's obese. He's immense, if you ever meet him in person. Right. But that's a good message. Hey, you know what? Yes, this I is strug- me. This is me. Right. Take it or leave it. I struggle with right. my weight. I know I should lose weight. I'm going to try. But this is me. Right. And from a Torah perspective, we say, we say every person is a Tzalem Elohim. Every person has a spark of God in their soul. Every person has value, has dignity, has uh, deserves respect. So he could say, yeah. You know, I'm not your gorgeous, uh, I'm, I'm not Brad Pitt running for president. Right. I'm a regular guy. I'm a real person. 
and I think people could relate to that. Mm-hmm. So, but med- I don't know. So I don't know if he did it politically, if he did it medically, or from or right. both. Medically, definitely needed the operation. Right. Um, and we laud him for that. Yeah. Does, but, but, Ra- does but, Rand Paul have the same type of uh, you know down to earth honesty in, oh, in your opinion? <laughs> yes, he does have that. Oh, absolutely. He and is, that attracts you and others to him. I mean, in terms right. Of so let's be clear about something. Right. I have not. I'm, I'm not playing coy here by saying I have not declared that I'm supporting Rand Paul right. for president in 2016. But you're not I'm giving actually, up your friendship with him. No, I'm very serious about right. that. I don't know who I'm going to support for president 2016 because part of the person I'm going, to rep- I'm going to support is not only one who has good values and one who I believe is honest, but also one who I think has the charisma to sell himself or herself to the American people because you can be the greatest candidate in the world from a ethical perspective right. but if you're going to lose it's not going to happen and and me and a number of lo- large dollar givers to the to the Republican party are very upset over the Republican party having nominated the last few times and many times in the past um, you know, crusty old white guys or stiff, stiff white guys who can't win elections. So, Unwinnable candidates. Yeah. So, so Romney, just you know, Romney, I think would have done an excellent job running the country. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. He has good values, but he's stiff. And in, in the exit polls, Romney beat Obama strongly, like two thir- two thirds to one third, on who can fix the economy, who can fix unemployment, and it still didn't get him the victory because Obama <laughs> beat Romney eighty to twenty on who do you think understands you the most, who right. do you relate to? Right there it is. That's the difference. So, Doctor Roberts, as we start approaching the end of our two part encounter, I then ask you the big question, and this led. To the first time I ever asked you to come here. You're going to pop the big question? No, I will not marry you. <laughs> <laughs> and here, today, you got to be careful with that. Uh, but let's not get into that over well, here. No, actually, I have an article I just... I know. Uh, for publication, uh, opposing, if pe- if people, opposing that. If people want to read it, they can access it. Uh, I don't think it's published yet. Is it not online? Mm-hmm. It's uh, not online yet? Uh, well, um, we're, we're trying to get a major publication. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I, I first sent it to the Huffington Post and the New York Times liberal publication. And they have not put it in their op-ed. Oh, they, they both said no. Right. All right. Uh, right away. Uh, but I think to this audience, it's clear what your position is on the matter. But anyway, we've just stumbled upon that because of a joke. But anyway, um, so what led to these encounters is the is the, the the question of how you would recommend that people get involved. And do you, from from where you sit, and we know if people listen to our, our last conversation, we know you are not from an Orthodox background, very limited involvement in the Jewish community, you'd put it that way at least, right? Yes. And now I think it's very interesting to see the perspective of someone like yourself now that you are so involved, not just Jewishly, but as we said, politically, etc. Is our community alive on these issues? Are, In your opinion, do you see a community that is involved, that's engaged? Do we need Musser to get more involved and more engaged? And do you want to encourage people to start paying attention to what's going on around them? How would you evaluate the situation? Um, when you say our community, if you're speaking about just the Orthodox Jewish community, uh, even that has within it many different types of communities. People are holding at different styles or levels of, of um, you know, of uh, practice. So what I tell, um, you know, guys in yeshiva uh-huh. who are learning full-time to get involved politically, I don't think so. I would tell them, keep stagging away, keep learning, keep learning, learning, learning. They're, they're, that's what they're... Um, you know, their time is supposed to be spent doing. 
um, they can do other things to the degree that they need you know, relaxation to help but, charge them up. So, But what do you say to people in your shul, hey, guys, get more involved, start paying more attention? Is, is that a passion of yours, or, or it's fine if people continue to drift along as they do? Um, I don't tell anybody to get involved, uh, but I don't necessarily agree that they're drifting along. People are making their own choices in, li- in their lives. They're deciding how much they want to be involved or not be involved. So we're talking about people that are not sitting and learning in yeshiva full time. Um, yeah, I got to tell you, yes, getting involved, um, reading the news stories, and 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 by the way, searching not just. I mean, don't be careful about about getting or accepting what you're getting fed by uh, leftist news sources because they have an they have a clear agenda. Um, and, you know, sometimes I get tired with very right-wing news sources. Like, right. you know, for example, let's say for many conservatives, President Obama can do nothing right. Everything he does is wrong. Right. I, I think that's, that's a unf- silly approach. Right? I think it's unfair. Right. I think 85% of what he does is wrong, but about 15% of what he does is right. I, I have no, I support his use of drones to take the fight to uh, al-Qaeda and to the Taliban in Pakistan. America learned that in Vietnam. You can't fight, fight a purely defensive war right. and let you, and let the enemy be uh, rearming and, and retraining in uh, in a neighboring country. You can't fight. The, don't fight a war. You, you can. It's true in sports. It's true in war. You cannot win if you're only playing defense because the other side is going to get some offense through. So. Um, so getting back to, mm-hmm. to, to you know to, the to this the message. So for, for those that that do want to get involved, though, um, you know politicians do uh, listen to the calls to their to their offices. Their their people who answer the phones do take um, uh, scorecards of how the people are calling, how and and how the flow is going. Uh, emails to them. Um, going to town meetings. This definitely influences politicians. Um, but I'm not out there trying to get anybody else involved. I'm too busy trying to do my own thing. <laughs> Understood. Well, I thank you very much. It's been a, uh, it's been a fascinating discussion. Dr. Rich Roberts is, um, is, um, not going to be running for United States Senate. That in, in 2014. In 2014. But uh, who knows where we may see you. You mentioned to me at one time you might actually uh, write a book uh, about your experiences. Would that include your experiences in the uh, medical field, or would it be exclusive to the work you're doing on the national political level? It would include the medical field, government, um, I mean, a lot of the corrupt things that go on that people just don't know about. And, and like I said, people who don't know don't even know that they don't know. I have so many examples I can give people uh, that will give them a flavor, a feel for what's going on. Uh, so those, those, that's what one of the books would be. I thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, when you're in uh, Shul and Lakewood this Shabbos, I hope people come over and, uh, and tell you they heard John Jay in the air. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> a lot of people listen to you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Dr. Rich Roberts, fascinating discussion from somebody of a fascinating background. Nine minutes before 9 o'clock, it's a Thursday at JM in the AM. Shish a kol puim veomdim. 
JM in the AM. Yitzchak Fuchs off the Me Mama Kim CD here at JM the AM. Well, coming up next, our album of the week at jmtheam.org is Sherwood Goffin's One Heart, One Soul. That is one incredible classic. Uh, Avrami sits in for me in the live lunch from our New York studio starting at 12 noon Eastern time on the stream. Miriam Wallach will have Dr. Jeffrey Gurak on the uh, program on uh, That's Life between 2 and 3, plus other special guests as well. Randy speaks with some very special Yeshiva University students coming up between 3 and 4 on something to talk about. Uh, Rabbi Avadya Goldberg is Ellie Hagler's guest in the 5 o'clock hour uh, from the OU Jewish Reaction Show. Michael Fragan, who joined us this morning to discuss the gubernatorial and senatorial situation after the passing of Frank Lautenberg. He spends an entire hour on the topic with great experts uh, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream, jmtheam.org. And tonight, Book of Life with Charlie Harari, he gets an opportunity to speak to Erica Brown. When she was on this program, an incredible conversation regarding leadership based on the book of Bamidbar. Tonight, you get to hear both Charlie Harari and Erica Brown discuss leadership between 9 and 10 Eastern Time on our stream at jmnam.org. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, Malcolm Honeline will join us. Our weekly update starts at 7.40 in the morning as we explore the current events of this week. And uh, Rabbi Yudin, of course, will join us with the Torah portion and much, much more. And if you didn't read it yet, uh, I mentioned earlier, Matis on JM Sunday a few weeks ago spoke with Yona Lloyd of SodaStream, Pep- which is an Israeli company. Pepsi has supposedly made an offer of $2 billion to buy SodaStream, and they are in negotiation now. Found that intriguing. If you never heard Matis' conversation with Yona Lloyd regarding the company, it's, of course, in the archive section at Nachum Siegel. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 FM in Rockland County, around the world in the web, jmtheam.org. And that'll wrap things up. My thanks to Dr. Rich Roberts, who spent the 8 o'clock hour with us. And my thanks to all of you for tuning in. Stay with our stream all day long at jmtheam.org. And tomorrow morning, reconvene right here for our Friday morning broadcast. Have a wonderful Thursday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.